July and August conjure up thoughts of beach trips and barbecues, vacationing, and yes, even sleeping in. But what are teachers up to during the summer? Sure, we're taking part in a lot of those summer fun festivities, but teachers are often also taking advantage of the extra free time that we have in a lot of other ways. This mini summer series is going to take a look at what four of our teachers are doing this summer. So join us as we explore the secret summer lives of teachers at South Country. We begin our first episode of the series with Ms. McCray. Ms. McCray is one of the most interesting and fierce people I've ever met. She's probably also one of the busiest. In this episode, she talks to us about how her career in the ENL program has changed over the last 20 plus years. ENL meaning uh, the program that, that stands for English as a New Language. And it's the program that teaches students who are usually new to our country how to speak English. And as the demographics change across the island, so does the job. She also tells us a little bit about how she'll spend the summer on activities having to do with her sorority, uh, her church, and her athletic pursuits. Oh, and, and last but not least, her doctoral dissertation goals. And here, all I'm doing is interviewing her, and I'm exhausted just having listened to all the wonderful things she's doing. She's an inspiration to me, and I'm so thankful she took a little time out of her busy schedule to sit and talk with us. So Andrew and I are here today with Mrs. McCray. Um, it is the first week of summer, our first official week of summer. It is a gorgeous day outside, and we're going to take a little bit of a deeper look into how teachers spend their time in the summer. Um, some people think that it's all fun and games for us, but we do stay pretty busy, and we'd like to take a little bit more of a deeper look into how Mrs. McCray spends some of her time. So Mrs. McCray. First, if we could just have you introduce yourself, um, you know, what, what, what do you teach, what building you teach, how long you've been in the district, things like that. Okay, so hello everybody. Um, Lorraine Richardson McCray, Ms. McCray, Ms. Very uh, clear about that. <laughs> and it's Richardson McCray because I did um, start using my maiden name again. Ah, okay. Um, but the kids all call me Ms. McCray which is why I kept it because I've been in the district for 24 years. I started um, my day, every day I started at Belport Middle School, but I was itinerant for the first eight years. My very first year, I started in the middle school and Brookhaven. And then some students arrived from another district and they had to go to Vern Critz. Cause at the time, a lot of people don't know this, but at the time, all of the elementary school ESL students were housed at Brookhaven. All 70, I believe, of them were in that building. So no matter where they moved into the district, they did not go to Kramer or Vern Critz. They all went to Brookhaven. So we had ESL program at Brookhaven, Frank Pilon. The teacher at Brookhaven would leave Brookhaven and go to Frank Pilon. I became the first tenured teacher of um, ESL in the middle school. I was the first person hired just for ESL. Everyone else before that had had the extra certification, was doing like an extra class. Um, and then we had Vicky Lazar at, um, at the high school. So when I was hired, I was the fourth, which is pretty significant because I'm also the fourth of my line in my sorority. So um, I was the fourth ESL teacher hired in the district. Um, and, and I started my day at the middle school. I, I worked at the middle school. Um, Brookhaven, Vern Critz, and the high school. So that was 1998 when I started. How has the ENL world changed? Well, they keep changing the name because <laughs> they can't seem to figure their life out. Um, well, if I can just speak candidly, um, my first initial um, engagement with the school community was the superintendent conference day. And um, I was just hired right before then. Uh, literally in August, I was hired. Ray Walsh um, was the one who interviewed me, and I believe he hired me almost before I was even there. He had gotten such a response from um, Elena Napolitano. She was the librarian at the middle school at the time. Her husband had interviewed me for an English position at Three Village. 
but he needed someone with experience and I was totally green. So long story short, um, when they found out I was ESL certified and because of how she expressed, you know, this young black woman, you know, just so poised that we need her. So he wanted to hire me as a permanent sub. When he found out I was ESL certified, it was like, can you come tomorrow? So um, I met Dennis DeSess on my first day um, and, and I pretty much was hired. The, my, my first initial experience, um, you know, was, was pretty positive, but that superintendent's conference day, we all used to stand. I don't know if you all remember. They would make all the new teachers stand and then um, they then have a stand by building. So I stood and, um, and it was, you know, all of our disciplines were then explained. And <clears throat> I heard back, somewhere back in the, on the right side of my body, well, how is she gonna teach children English when she speaks Ebonics? Oh. And I thought oh. to myself, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. And that was your first, that was, that was really your first professional day with your colleagues. My first professional day with my colleagues. How do you identify racially? Black. Okay, how many black EML teachers? Well, really Caribbean. I'm okay. a black Caribbean American, yeah. Okay. How many uh, black or black Caribbean or African-American teachers uh, that are in yes, our so, ENL? Uh, ENL, that it's not a lot. It's not a lot. When I go to conferences, I can say we're probably like a handful. Okay. Um, the, the majority of teachers in Long Island, period, and I only know this because of my doctoral studies, mm -hmm. um, 92% are white mm -hmm. in Long Island. And of that 92%, about... 94% are white women. So we have a... Just as a side note, I'm sure nobody said, I wonder how those white women are going to teach those children, no. you know, when they speak... No. Long Island. <laughs> Long Island. <laughs> or whatever. I don't think so. Because <laughs> well, I heard the wrong country. <laughs> and I'm Brooklyn, so I'm like... They sound funny. Yeah. They sound funny. Mm -hmm. They sound stupid. And, you know, that was... <laughs> well, I think it's really important, especially um, for our students who are Latin American, and a lot of them come with their own, like, racial ideologies, a lot of discrimination, a lot of kind of prejudice ideas, racism. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important that they have um, their ENL teachers are diverse also. Yes. So, yes. Um, yes. I'm hoping that we can increase that diversity at South Country it amongst would be the wonderful. ENL teachers. It, uh, amongst all the teachers yeah, would be really for wonderful sure. because the school populations don't reflect yeah. the, the populations of the communities that they're serving in a lot of cases. Um, and that doesn't mean to me that white women should not be teachers. Of course not. Mm -hmm. It just means to me that there should be more differentiated um, um, diversity mm -hmm. within the teaching ranks so that's a whole nother but it's so expensive to even just become a teacher right. so that can be you know cost prohibitive um, and we have to do so much education mm -hmm. um, and you asked the question earlier about John Conquest mm -hmm. um, and how I got to South yes Andrew. so just a little background John Conquest uh, for any listeners who don't know uh, was a longtime administrator in South Country School District and there are several, but not all, of our black educators had been initially contacted by him as part of a minority recruitment program. Right. So the, that was that question did come up to me a number of times, especially in the early years. Um, the first teacher of color, I believe, was Mrs. Eliezer um, in South Country, and John Conquest. You know, after. And no, I didn't know John Conquest. I think I explained that I was interviewed by a whole different person and his wife, who was the librarian, took my uh, resume, a copy of it, not even the good paper, <laughs> copy of it um, to Ray Walsh. And that's how I got. And what's interesting, my roads crossed with John Conquest because I was the program director for teacher opportunity course at Stony Brook. So when I became a full-time teacher, of course, I had to leave that job. Um, Alfred Godfrey was the director of the program. John Conquest was my, he was my successor. Oh. And then the program closed. So it's not only important to make sure that we increase our diversity in our schools amongst the educators, but also to create a network of support amongst those teachers of color. Yeah. So I, I did see you the other day at Painters. You had called a meeting with our black teachers at South Country. Yes. 
And I saw it and I was so excited that you were doing that I, because... I thought I was being incognito. <laughs> no, It was no. not. Not at, at Painters. But, but that's great. I tried I to really pick a place that, that everybody would be comfortable mm-hmm. with coming to for the first time. Mm-hmm. And um, okay, so this is what's interesting. Yes, I'll give you a little us. history. Um, back when Mike Dinowitz was the president and then I believe Miss Krill was the president after, I approached them both. Back all those years these ago. Are, these are the presidents of the BTS, Belfort Teachers BTS. Association. And I was young and, you know, and, you know, spry. Mm-hmm. And they were like, mm, not really sure if that's the right thing. <laughs> you know, it just wasn't, yeah. it wasn't that it was negative, but he, but each was one hesitant. was he- very hesitant because they felt like, well, once you do it, then everybody, I'm going to have an Italian teachers, and a, you know, and Irish teachers, and the, and the Latino teachers. And go for like it. That sounds think, wonderful. <laughs> I think the whole idea was to keep us unified under the umbrella of all being teachers, which is um, to be a force to be reckoned with. And when we start to um, diversify within our ranks, sometimes there will be different schools of thought. So I understand as a president, you really want to make sure that everyone can unify. They, I don't believe that at the time there was space for that kind of interaction. In came Kim LaFranc. She was a guidance counselor at the high school and she created the Center of Excellence um, for the students and it was amazing for our students of color. Um, and I believe that that space gave the, the black teachers in the district um, somewhere to, and also gospel choir, gave us two spaces to influence our students and also have a little bit of community. So we found community within the Teachers Association, but not under a specific committee or a specific group. So I was with Kai and, um, and Rodney at uh, Demetria Garantis's um, going away party at Painters. Mm-hmm. And we both had expressed that we haven't seen each other in so long because of COVID. In our conversation, we said, you know, we really just need to see each other because there's some people in the district and they're, it can feel very isolating, very, very isolating. You're um, out of, you know, two, three, four hundred teachers, um, whatever building you're in, you could be, you're a super minority. You're one or two or three right. out of hundreds mm-hmm. sometimes, um, or at least a hundred. The high school probably has the most teachers in the district and then the middle school behind. So um, I, we, I sent out an email and got everybody's information and just gave dates and said, you know, let's just see, it's a meet and greet. Let's just see each other. Um, some are, you know, together in buildings, so they have that camaraderie. Some were hired at the same time, so they have that camaraderie. But many didn't know each other or know what their disciplines were or anything. So, um, so we, I, I just, I was, cause you know the man. They said let's do it, and I was like, okay. <laughs> so let's do it. So I'm waiting, 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 waiting. I'm gonna get the numbers for you, okay. <laughs> And I was like, you know, I can't do a Google form. Let me make a Google form. Let me do this. Let me send it. I need the emails. And then inadvertently, of course, I missed a couple of people the first time around. And then we had to do it again. So I will um, reconvene us in September um, to meet again, um, either right before school starts or right after school starts. And it's really just for, um, it's really just for the support. There's no, no hidden agenda. There's no, um, there is no agenda. It's really just... This is me. This is my story. These are the things that I dealt with. These are things that you possibly may deal with. And if you are dealing with things, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. You have, you know, you have senior teachers in the district who can give you some guidance, some support, some help, um, some professional organizations to contact. Um, it's not always about fighting, mm-hmm. you know, fight the power. It's really more so about um Let's find our power, but it's it's not an organized like right. this is what we're doing. Right. We're not doing nothing. We're just gonna eat and drink and yeah. talk. Well, we have a joke. So if we're three of us, two or three of us standing in the hallway, we're like we can't stand here for too long. They're gonna think, <laughs> think we're plotting. They're gonna, they gonna start looking out the windows, like you know, raising the blinds, wondering what's gonna happen next. <laughs> so that's the joke. That yeah. is a that's I think in the black community, black culture, mm-hmm. like. 
even no matter where we're all together, it's like, mm, we don't have to be careful. Yeah. But that does stem from slavery time where we couldn't congregate. And if we were having discussions or a quote unquote meeting, what was the meeting? They always had to be religious. They always mm-hmm. had to be a spiritual background. So it was always with... Um, you know, the Bible as the back, background of it. But um, in some cases, we know that there were other things that they were plotting and planning, but we're really not. I don't even have the Bible when we're there. You just, it's I, in was, my I always had painters that day, you just look like you were plotting to laugh and have drinks. <laughs> I was, I was, <laughs> it was mission accomplished. I was trying to tear down some drinks, which I am such a lightweight, half of one, I'm like slurring words. It's, it's really sad, it's very ridiculous, but. Such is my life. That's okay. Hi, this is Bobby from Belfort. Nicense takes a look at teaching initiative as a union-led initiative to develop a robust statewide educator pipeline in New York. One of its aims is to increase educator workforce diversity. In New York, students of color represent 56% of total enrollment, while teachers of color represent only 19% of the workforce. In the 2016 through 2017 school year, more than 200 public schools districts in New York did not employ a single teacher of color. Overall, enrollment in New York State teachers' education programs have declined by 50% since 2009. With more teachers retiring, it's estimated that we will need up to 180,000 teachers in the next 10 years. The teacher shortage crisis is real. We need you. Thanks to the strength of our union, New York teachers make a good living in a very rewarding profession. Consider taking a look at teaching for your future career. So let me ask you, just to segue into something else, because when someone like you brings forth an idea like this, really puts it into existence just because you feel like it's important and you want to be supportive of people it sounds like you have one of those kind of a a purpose-driven life right where you're sort of you're motivated by things that are larger than yourself would you call yourself a religious person is that an important part of your professional life i think um jesus is an important part of my entire existence so um i was not raised religious. My mother um, practiced many different religions and allowed us to um, to uh, be introduced to a lot of different things. So she was brought up Catholic. I'll give a quick. She was brought up Catholic, but then, you know, went away from that. We, I, you, you won't understand. I won't go too much in detail, but I did 5% Nation, um, the Israelites, not very strongly in the Israelites because the women are not. Um, and then um, the, um, being Muslim for a little while, and then Buddhist for a little while, and then metaphysics um, for a little while, like a universalist type of, and I'm not, I'm not sure if it's the same universalist as the actual universalist church, but we used to go to church at Lincoln Center, and it was like a metaphysics type of, you know, we're all one, and we love, you know, the universe. It was more of a, a very... Um, spiritual but not a Jesus God Christian background but it was very spiritual um so so I was I had the benefit of being able to study without studying so many different religions um and then one of our neighbors was like we gotta get these kids saved <laughs> so she took us me and my sister she was like Delala I'm taking these kids because they haven't been baptized and I was baptized but I was baptized as a baby she's like that don't mean nothing you didn't accept Jesus Christ. I was like, Lord, this woman took us to Baptist church. We was there all day. I said, Jesus Christ. We went back a couple more times, and then we stopped answering the door because I could not stay in that building all day long. But they did feed you. It was amazing. I did have a lot of fun. So fast forward, when I got to college, I did um, become a born-again, a born-again Christian. And, um, and I'm very happy with that choice. Um, and I have a very strong spiritual background. I pray every morning. I read my Bible. I'm Bible plans galore. Um, I get the badges on the Bible app. Yes, I do. I'm a badge-driven person. Um, and, um, and it is a, a real important part of my, um, my existence. I know a lot of, I know everything that I've been through has been for a reason. Hindsight being 2020. 
I can see the footprints. I can see how every single thing interlocked into something else, which was for a reason or a purpose bigger than me, for me, but bigger than me. So generational curses being broken, my children being raised in a in an atmosphere of privilege, quote unquote, as opposed to an atmosphere of oppression. Um, um, not being told no all the time. We can't, There's you can't do that. Um, I grew up finding a space of being very secure in my position and God led me to teaching where we're contractually driven, where you and I are making the same based on our education and based on our years of service. And I don't deal with the ERA is issues in private sector. Um, and for me, I needed that. I needed the security. But having, being a Christian um, and being a teacher, there is a fine line. I, I don't ever cross into um, telling students what is right or wrong. I give them the information. I think I said earlier, literature-wise, these things, these conversations do come up as themes, as um, morals of stories, lessons. So therefore, it, it is a part of who I am all the time. Um, I love Jesus. I cuss a little. <laughs> and, you know, that's just, that's who I am. And I, I'd like to believe that I have a purpose-driven life. I think I, I'm now 50, and I'm realizing what that purpose is. But what's really wonderful to me is that my daughter, who's 25, really has more found her purpose because I think... I went through a lot of things in order to make sure that she didn't have to wait till 50 mm -hmm. for that to happen. Right. So, and I think my mom passed away before she even really found hers. So in three generations, I think it, that's a, that's a huge step forward. Um, but yes, definitely very Christian, but I, I attend online now. <laughs> okay. Well, I know that, um, so I was wondering where you went to church, but I was thinking, if you're going online, you're kind of losing that, that organizational or like the communion between like a, between your brother, Christian brothers and yes. sisters. But the I know fellowship. that you do yeah. kind of then sub supplement that like need for a sisterhood yes. with the sorority that yes. you're so into. Theta, Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. Um, I have been a, a proud member Lord, is this going to be my 25th year? This is my 25th year. Oh, you got to go big. You got to go big. At Boule, they had us <laughs> fill out. Um, Boule is our uh, international conference, and we have that every two years. And it's coming up in July. They had us fill out a form. So those of us who are going to be 25, they haven't done it before, really. They always do something new. Mm -hmm. Thank God I am right in the years. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be recognized. Oh. All me and all the others who were made in 1997. Uh -huh. I think they're doing 96, 97 96 and 97 only, I think, because you're right in that space where you're about to turn 25. Mm -hmm. So what, the, what we've had in the past, they brought out um, what's called Zeta Doves, which are Soros who are over 50 years. So it's almost like a continuation of that recognition. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I love my Do you guys sorority. wear something, like, really cool? Is there, like, a look or something we are finer we are the finer <laughs> women no that's actually one of our tenors i see uh, yes <laughs> i forget about she has this beautiful tattoo on her left forearm that says finer. finer what does that mean what do you mean by that finer womanhood so that being a tenant of our organization um to be finer is to be not only sophisticated but also to be intelligent to be um socially and politically conscious um, to be an activist in some regards, um, but also to be a community supporter and to do community service. My children have done community service since they were little people. Um, they know what that means to go out, not just soup kitchens. I think people think soup kitchens immediately. No, we actually, we, my chapter, one of the chapters I was in, we used to go to the detention center in, um, it's called the Brentwood Detention Center, but it's in Dix Hills. Um, and it's like behind some, you know, some trees and big tall bushes. It's a beautiful facility. Um, and there are young girls there who are being detained for a number of different issues and different community organizations go in. One group goes in and teaches them how to knit. My group went in and we found out what, what areas they were in need of. And we started to do 
uh, tutorials with them on um, uh, interview skills, uh, dress codes, and you know how to dress for interviews, job, doing resumes with them, um, just anything. We even did stroll practice with them just to have a fun time. So we had like a calendar of events where we would go in and work with the girls on hundreds of different things, etiquette, you know, knowing the difference between, you know, your home life, what in the black community and in other communities might be, might be described as code switching, which is what I'm doing right now because I'm speaking to you in my teacher voice. But if I'm with my family, mm-hmm. it's a totally different cadence. It's a mm-hmm. different structure. It's a different, you know, way. Um, I would say relaxed, quote unquote, but um, but not relaxed. It's a full dialectical switch that happens um, and explaining to the girls that you are still organically yourself because it's the, uh, the students, younger people, they want to be genuine in who they are. They want to be accepted for genuinely who they are and don't always see code switching as being genuine. Right. Um, but I explain it as being unnecessary as part, and I don't lose my personality, mm-hmm. but I do have to understand that the context when I'm in certain, you know, areas, I can't speak in that way or mm-hmm. I can't bring that immediately. I have to understand. My mom taught us when we were little, you have to know the rules to a game in order to play or to win it. Mm-hmm. If you don't know the rules, you can't ever win. Mm-hmm. So I have to I have to know the rules of social um, different social atmospheres and yeah. understand how to navigate it. And if you're not socialized, where you have the opportunity to kind of see all of the different cultures that you're going to have to navigate through, then you're not going to be able to be successful. Yeah, so you're that's successful wonderful. in one area. Yeah, but yeah. You might not be able. Not everybody is going to be. Sean Diddy, Combs. exactly. Everybody, you, yeah. nobody, not all of us are going to be Oprah. Mm-hmm. Everybody is not going to be Will Smith. Yes. Everybody is not going to be, <laughs> you know, some people, some of us are going to slap people. But, <laughs> but we're not all going to reach that pinnacle in our <laughs> careers where you know where we're there. We, right. we live in the real world, so you know, success is different. Success looks different for me as a regular human being as opposed to you know, someone who has that kind of social status and fame. Do you think we can do, use a little of that South Country? That, like... A little? <laughs> the, I don't know. The cultural sensitivity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or the teaching of the of the code switching, of the cultural adaptation. Mm-hmm. The, the issue there, for the most part, is there are not a lot of people who are um, equipped and able because as we know as teachers we we study for years we are professionals and we study for years to have the expertise for what we're doing um, so therefore you can't just you know jump into something and say this is what I'm doing today right. because you might inevitably hurt someone mm-hmm. in what you're doing because you're not you're not equipped to do it correctly right. so um, I would and I believe uh, a group like Center of Excellence, what Kim LaFrank did, was showing that you can be academic, you can be smart, and that doesn't have to equate to you're acting white. Mm-hmm. You can be black and academic and and smart and have an amazing life and career and still be genuinely a black girl. Was Kim LaFrank, I don't know her, was she black? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, she actually moved on to Half Hollow Hills. She was a um, guidance counselor. She was a yeah. guidance counselor at the high school. Okay. Yeah. yeah. She was a wonderful person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is a wonderful person. It is. 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 Yes. So, um, so, I, I love what you're talking about. You're, say your uh, the sorority uh, and the community that you get, and also just the values of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like you're always trying to push yourselves, all the members of the group to these higher places. Mm -hmm. And it makes me think about something I know a little bit about you that I don't know much about, your athletic pursuits. Is this something that you've spent your whole life pursuing? Is it something more recent? I know it sounds like it's a pretty important part of your life though. Not my whole life. I can show you pictures. I was always a pretty fit looking person, but I would pass out if I got on the treadmill. I was skinny fat, if that makes sense, or I was um, I was fit, but not athletically driven. 
I have never been a part of any team organization sports at all my entire life. I cheerlead amazingly from the <laughs> sidelines. Um, so no, my, my entire life, um, I was never a part of anything um, athletically. My first real introduction to watching football, like being made to watch it, was when my ex-husband, I met him in college. And I was like, we have a whole football team? <laughs> I knew Stony Brook had a football team. I mean, I see the stadium and all that, mm -hmm. but I'm not going over there. <laughs> so, yes. So I, I got more interested in sports. And then his family did bowling, which is a whole nother <laughs> level of sports. I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> Both my children can bowl amazingly, I have to say. And and my one of my first Christmas gifts as a McCray, I got a bowling ball. I still have it. <laughs> I can do a strong 80. No, it's more like a strong 50. If I get to 80, it was got, bump, we had bumpers out. I got to 80 once, I felt. That was one of my finest. That's Leah my finest and Leo, moment. he's gotten 300 games. Ooh. And Leah and Leo both can do in the twos and oh, high twos. And yeah. Congratulations to Bellport High School's valedictorian, Rana Raghunantan, who is attending Yale University on a full scholarship. We'd also like to congratulate salutatorian Kevin Petitella, who is attending Williams College and also is the winner of the Top Scholar-Athlete Award by the Suffolk County Chapter of the National Football Foundation. Last but not least, congratulations to essayist Eric Ciavada, who is attending SUNY Cortland. But you're an athlete now. Well, now. Um, so I struggled with my weight. Um, after uh, college and towards the middle, I guess, more middle to the end of my bachelor's degree and moving into my master's. And then once you, um, as a woman, get pregnant, have children, your body changes, you go through a lot of changes. And then emotionally, I was just going through so much. So um, I gained a lot of weight and I actually just found, I always keep my, we used to get ID cards um, years ago, when they took pictures, they would give us an ID card. It was just like a gift. <laughs> we don't get that anymore. Um, and I had them all on a key ring, and I took pictures of the years. And because um, my boyfriend at the time, he's never seen me that way. My kids, they don't really remember me that way. They remember me as mommy. They know I was big, a big woman, but they didn't look at me. They didn't view me that way. So, um, so I had a lot of issues with my weight and um, a lot of emotional eating. And um, what I had to finally make a decision because when I got pregnant with Leo Christopher, I got gestational diabetes. And then it became full-blown diabetes a year later. Um, and then it was completely out of control for a long time and, and I battled with that. And it's type two, so therefore it is controlled by your, your weight. Um, and it's controlled by your by your diet. Mm -hmm. So when I went to my endocrinologist, he suggested I go to um, Stony Brook and uh, the bariatric, and that was amazing. So from there, before that happened, though, I got involved in 2012. I was watching um, News 12, and uh, a group of women get together, and black women, black girls run, and I'm like, do we really? Because <laughs> I know some black girls do. I'm sure some black girls do. I'm just being funny. But I'm like, because our hair, we're not trying to get our hair wet. You know? So this has been a phenomenon in the sense of have, their, have we always had black athletes? Of course. But within the community, just jogging around our community? Um, no. 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 <laughs> no. So... I got involved with Black Girls Run, but I got involved as a walker. So, and Black Girls Run, the, the amazing thing about it was every um, age group and every athletic level or ability was completely welcome. No woman left behind. Um, your pace, your race was one of the slogans. Um, preserve the sexy. Um, <laughs> and the main uh, reason why it was created, the founders um, were in Atlanta and they just wanted to see black women regain the health because the health issues that are pervasive in our community, one is because of the lack of you know, um, accessibility to um, good uh, medical care. 
the other is um, food deserts being so prevalent and not being able to get, you know, the produce and having to travel very far or pay a lot for, you know, good food, quote unquote, good food. So, um, you know, the health issues skyrocket. Health issues, the, the heart is one of the biggest issues for women overall, um, but type 2 diabetes and all these other different issues. So I started walking. And it would take me at Hotel Ecology site, it's a 1.2 around. It would take me almost 30 minutes to get around one time and I was hustling. So my son did this, the swimming program and I would walk. And um, I heard about Black Girls Run, got involved with it um, and stayed with it. Started doing my first races, did my first 5K with the diva. It was a diva 5k. Oh, it was so much fun. <laughs> so, and just being in that community mm-hmm. and being supported and, um, you know, it, the walk before you run program. So I, I was running, I wasn't running this whole 5k. Mm-hmm. So I, but I walked and, and then we had walkers and I just joined with them. And years later, um, I just, I wanted to have a group closer to Eastern Long Island. I was waiting for somebody. I was like, somebody, anybody can do this. <laughs> Somebody step right up, you know. (laughs) Then it just hit me, you know, that the whole Mahatma Gandhi, be the change you want to see in the world. Is that what he said? Yes. So, Gandhi, it's all your fault. (laughs) I said, is it okay if I see if there's any ladies who want to meet at Holtzville and the ambassador for the area uh, for Suffolk County? She said, sure, you know, see how how it goes. I have 15 women show up. Nice. And we've gone anywhere from me walking by myself or running, because I did start running, um, to walking with 15, you know, 20 women. So, um, you know, then COVID, of course. In the meantime, in there, um, I did, during 2020, do my first and only, I think, I believe it's going to be my only marathon. I did the virtual. Marathon. Yeah, I did a virtual. I did it. No, I, I do halves. Like not quite nothing. a bit. No, 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 I like nothing. No, girl, <laughs> don't play yourself. Take me about three, four hours to get through a half. But um, I did, uh, I did a full because they did New York City as a virtual. Yes. And my Black Girls Run sisters, I think it was about five or six of us that did it. So my Black Girls Run um, sisters got together. One, the one who was in it, she actually plotted the course for us, and then they were our course support. And they went with us all the way through and had an ending finish line for us, had, you know, food, drinks, encouragement. They had, you know, um, different stations to cheer us on and cheer stations. It was, they're amazing as a group of women, just the, um, the support, the camaraderie, but also the, the idea that you are not alone in this pursuit. So with having the weight loss surgeries, um, they don't work by themselves. It is completely, you have to change your your mindset. My stomach will tell me to stop, but if I don't emotionally deal with it, deal with the things, so therapy is important for some people, but then also have an active lifestyle. So the walking, then I did get into jogging and running, so then I was doing the run-walk series where you learn how to walk, and then you run a certain amount, then you walk, so there's different apps that you can use for that. Um, so I got down to, I think my, my lowest half was around three hours and 23 minutes, which is really good for me. Um, cause I could be out there for four or five. My marathon was eight hours and 23 minutes. Um, and, and then I got involved with something called girl, another group called girl track, which is also, um, centered around, um, healing health, um, for black women, but also there's a lot of. Um, activism that's inc- incorporated into their program. Um, so when we're walking, there are 21 days. They do 21 day walk series where they call it um, Black History Boot Camp, where you can listen to the founders and they're having a conversation and they actually teach about different things in Black history. Um, and they've had, I think, five or six series, a prayer series where they focused on um, people in ministry. They had a series about um, um, Black about August because August is a really huge time in the Black community. Calendar-wise, there's been so many things that have happened in the month of August. Um, and they had one called Cosmonauts, which was um, progressive Black that blacks were the, that were ahead of their time, that they were born in this era, but had they been born in this era, you know, that they were like the the um, 
the inception of certain things that have happened later on. So that's helpful. And what I do now is I'm a coordinator for Black Girls Run. So I coordinate runs. I don't know how I keep doing this. When's our Bellport 5K Black well, Girls Run coming? Sure, not. <laughs> so I don't I do not do Wait. Bellport, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm open for women to, you know, so I go, we go to Holtzville mm-hmm. on some Saturdays. I live closer to Hexer State Park now. So we do Hexer State Park. Um, and then there are actual races that we join. Mm-hmm. So Black Girls Run does not coordinate races themselves. Right. We might coordinate group groups to meet, mm-hmm. um, but we are not. We will um, team up or connect with um, different organizations. So Rock and Roll or Diva Runs or um, Ragnar. Like I did a Ragnar too. That's two hundred miles. I was gonna say how long was your Ragnar? That's I did. Crazy. I think twenty. Did I do twelve or twenty one? I can't remember. So I'm gonna go with twenty one. No, but the entire no. race. The whole race is two hundred miles. miles. It's two hundred yeah. miles for the for the entire team, and they break us up into legs based on our ability. So you know, I got the smallest amount of miles. Yeah. And like you can go out there for three miles and then go sit down because we don't want you to die. So I did a Ragnar that was over the weekend, and yeah, it was really good. That so, so it's a, so I, I I have found um, an athletic side of myself, um, and it's nice because I can connect with my children on that a little bit. My daughter was in track, my son was football, um, I was a football mom, um, but it's been a progression. So I want to say I started in about 2012, and between the weight loss, between the therapy, between Black Girls Run and Girl Trek. Um, Definitely, I'm a different person inside and out. So definitely, and and wearing a large as opposed to a three X. Yeah, it's pretty nice. <laughs> pretty nice. Got a little belly. Got my belly. Um, my belly beads. Nice. You know? I'm trying to be sexy out okay. here. You know, trying to be sexy. <laughs> You trying are. to keep a man, trying to keep a man you out here in the streets. You know, these chicks out here, they be, you know, <laughs> you know, he don't look like nothing, but then all of a sudden, you with him and everybody come out. No, you ain't with him before. Yeah. Leave him alone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yes. I love it. And you are sexy. See, now. I'm working out. I'm working out. Well, um, as if you haven't, you don't do enough, um, uh-huh. you're also a part of a doctoral program. And if, <laughs> We'll finish. We'll finish with you telling us a little bit about what your what your doctoral what your doctoral is in. Okay. And just like what what do you hope? What do you what do you, what do you do? I hope to finish. <laughs> um, I can't wait till your doctor. Rich, are we gonna be Doctor Richardson? I will be Doctor Richardson McCray, but everybody will probably call me Doctor McCray, which is fine with me because it's my professional name. I did just like Tina Turner. <laughs> when I left, I'm taking my name with me. Okay. Um, so I started the program. Um, I was interested in this particular program because it is it was a Stony Brook St. John's University connection. So if you got your school district administration at Stony Brook, then they would credit you 15 credits towards the program. You would take two classes at Stony Brook, non-matriculate it, and then transfer over to St. John's. So I started it in 2016, and um, I always knew what my dissertation topic was. We had an interview with some ladies who were becoming a part of the sorority. We have an interview process. And during the interview, um, one of them is, or she just retired actually, she's a New York Police Department detective. And she explained how in certain situations, police officers, when they come into a situation, they are instructed and trained that they now become the authority in the situation and they have to take over. And I, I liken that to my own profession, being a teacher. I walk into the classroom and I am the thermostat. They are the thermometers. I am in charge of what temperature they're at. So I become the the authority in the situation. But culturally, that doesn't work all the time. Women, and when I was dealing with a lot of families from Pakistan, they were looking past me like, where's the man coming into the room to talk to me? Because I'm not talking to you. So there, there, there has to be an understanding of who, how authority can be shared and how you can come into an agreement. So I thought about, and it's always been my topic, so it's, it's funny that it's taken me so long, but it's an emotional journey as well. Um, and then I was going through a divorce as well, and kids were in boarding school and college, and I'm selling a house. It's been a crazy, it's been a ride. Mm-hmm. But um, 
So my dissertation topic is cultural responsiveness training in teacher preparation programs. I did include professional development for a little while, but my third mentor, which is also part of my long process, my third mentor said that made my scope very large. So therefore that would add time to my research. So we brought it back because my mentor before that added professional development um, for teachers who are in the classroom, but then teacher preparation programs are pre-service. So having pre-service and teachers, that's a lot to, to, um, to do research on. So I scaled it back to my original thought. So that's, and, and my original title was the lack of cultural responsiveness training, but of course we don't want to have the negative and the, so my current mentor, she just changed the name and I told the girl, whatever you want to do, what you want me to do? <laughs> At this point, I'm like, where should the period go? You want to hear or hear? Because I don't care no more. I just want this thing done. <laughs> got it. Literally, she pushed me through my proposal. She was like, you're showing up. This is what we're doing. I'm like, whatever you want me to do. Because the process is you're in the cohorts, you're, you're studying with a group, and I'm the only fly in the milk. Um, I have another ESL teacher there. We're mainly women, but you, you're in this cohort, and it's a very um, group-orientated situation, but it's also you can see that there are some people who are faction to, you know, I'm going to get the, you know. So you have the competition, but you also have the camaraderie. So it's camaraderie and competition at the same time. But as soon as you finish your comprehensive exams for our school, because other schools do portfolios and different processes, we have a, a we have a, a what we call comps, and it's a five part exam. And God help me, thank God for Jesus. <laughs> First time I failed two of the parts, three of the parts, and then had to go back and fix those parts. Um, and I had some support with um, with studying for it, but no support in actually creating it. So, um, so I, I did it, passed it. And once you pass it, some people use that as a catalyst. No, me, I use that as a, I need, I got to sit down someplace. <laughs> I need four months not talking about none of y'all. Don't text me. We not friends no more. I don't know you. I've learned that about um, myself, that I go hard and then I go soft. Like, <laughs> I need a minute. Y'all have wore me all the way out. Yeah. So... It's been a, a, a series of peaks and valleys, um, but I finally did get through my proposal. So I'm a doctoral candidate now, um, and I was supposed to do my IBR by now. But, you know, after the, after the candidacy, I was like, I need a break. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so right, right. I took a break, but I'm getting back to it now. So my entire summer um, is devoted to um, getting my IBR approval, which is to do, it's called Independent Research. Um, Bureau and um, because of things that happened like the Tuskegee incident, they had to create mechanisms and systems for, to make sure that there's no harm being done to people who are um, accepting uh, being a part of any kind of research. Um, I'm doing adults, which is much easier if you're doing kids or any, you know, any um, groups that, that need more protection. It can be more um, interesting, but I'll be doing that at Stony Brook. So um, I got the soft approval to get that done. So I just need to get it done mm -hmm. at this point. Um, so the majority of my summer will be spent doing that. A lot of people ask, do teachers get paid more for that? <laughs> Not really. Like we get a little... A little, a little, check. A little stipend, <laughs> yeah. and probably once is the you know once they take the tax out, it's yeah. much of nothing. Yeah. So I think the the understanding or the belief that we just are just relaxing, you know, at three p.m. I don't think unless I have a doctor's appointment, <laughs> I have ever left. Sometimes I'm like, just gotta breathe. I have to do grading. I have, mm -hmm. So my my time to leave, I had to start because of the doctor. I had to start putting an alarm on my clock. You've got 15 minutes left and then you got to leave this building. Well, it's, <laughs> you have good reason to be tired. Yeah. <laughs> Yet, even though you're tired, you just keep going and yeah. going and going. I think one of the things we learned from today is you're just definitely energized by your sense of purpose. And also you can see the energy that you get from the communities that you join. And I think it's, it's a great example for, for people who are, we're trying to sustain themselves in what can be a draining career. Very. So, so very, I'm very impressed. It can be very emotionally draining. But then there's that moment when, you know, 
I got the note. Like I've, I had a really, really rough situation happen. And, and then a day later, another teacher teaches at the high school and asked the children to write a note to a teacher that was important to them. And one of the students wrote me a note and it was just because we were coming back from virtual and he stayed home for a little bit longer. So school had already begun for months and months and months and months. And then he came back, I wanna say maybe even marking period three or four. So school was very already started. And you know, that could be uncomfortable. And he just remembered me being, you know, welcoming, making sure that he had a seat, making sure that like, I knew you were coming and I prepared for you. And, you know, I'm happy to see you here. And if you need anything, if you don't have any friends at lunch for the first little bit, you know, come on up. You can sit with me during lunchtime. I have lunch off. Um, and he remembered that. So I got that note. And I was like, I'm a gangster. <laughs> I'm not, I am not crying. I put the, I was like, oh my. So I took pictures, sent it to the kids. I was like, see, because you know, because I'm dope. Because I'm dope. I got recognized. And, and then I was like, let me slide this off to the side. I will cry when I get to the car. So me and Smokey, my car is being Smokey. I cry when I get in a Smokey. Smokey's like, let it go. Let it go. Uh, those notes, they keep teachers going. I know. They're the best. That's need, what we work for. We don't need mugs. Yeah. No, God, please. God, please. No, I had a mug, the actual ceramic mug fetish. Mm -hmm. I finally got through it. I probably had a hundred of them. I finally got through it, pared it down to like eight, right? <laughs> Three of them being, a couple of them are in storage because they're sorority ones. <laughs> because they're like collectors. Like, you got them at Boulet, 2008 Boulet, yeah, you with the gold it. around yeah. the edge. You can't give it. You'll no. never get that again. Never. But it's these Starbucks cups. <laughs> Every time I walk past, I'm like, and the kids are like, no. I'm like, well, if I get rid of that one, then I can slide this one back. They're like, ma, ma, ma. And then I gave away like mm. you know hundreds and hundreds yeah. of them yeah thank you so much for being here and sharing what you do all summer long i'm exhausted i think i'm gonna need a couple of days just to recover before i start editing this um but you are inspiring and really i really sincerely mean that and i all the work that you're doing both in and out of the district is um wonderful i hope it's appreciated i know we appreciate it um but i i'm looking forward to see what you do after your doctorate is done because it sounds fascinating well, your i am parlaying it into my educational consultation um, business Good. it's called naya usi educational resource center so and i will be providing my first um parliamentarian um i'll be a conference parliamentarian next week Beautiful. And I'm using my business name because I need the deductions. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so inspiring! Yes. Thank you again for um, meeting with us on this summer day. You took the entire morning off for us. I'm about much. to go take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Miss McCray. Thank you so much.